0: It's the slightly crunchy
1: Welcome to the Slightly Crunchy Momcast. This is a podcast with research-based parenting information from a real-world perspective of two moms just trying not to lose their shit. Hey, do you like our podcast? Take a moment and let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us out and help others find our podcast, too. Now, let's get to it. Today is episode 32, and we're talking about communicating with your significant other. My name is Brittany. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist.
0: My name is Whitney and I'm a nurse. Speaking of nursing, so I'm at work. Okay, so back up. I have this thing. We know that I'm into romance novels, so <laughs> but I really like the, the romance between like best friends that turn into more. Oh. That's like my that's my jam. That's where I roll. Mm-hmm. So I'm at work. Sounds like the
1: basis of most Lifetime movies. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, I really like it. So I'm at work and I get a text message from my husband that says, I've wanted you for so long. Oh, dear God ensues an entire day where we set up this entire thing where Brian happens to be the quarterback of an NCAA winning Stop division it. one team I'm the head cheerleader and hot dog eating contest winner oh that is so sexy <laughs> and we go also um, suggestive <laughs> okay right and then he um, he just you know he's just got all these girls that want him all the yeah. time but he really wants something more and I keep hooking up with my ex-boyfriend because uh, I mean I gotta get laid yeah and so we set this whole scenario where I'm like I text him after he didn't text me for an hour I don't know what he's doing I you working and I'm like I mean I was like shit I just failed my math exam oh I, like, I was like I need to go get drunk and he was like I got you I'll pick you up at seven I was like I need to go home and change first unless you want to just meet me in my cheerleading outfit and he's like oh. I think it's for the best of uh, both of us if you change uh-huh. it ensues this lovely romance novel that is coming true in real life first the UPS
1: guy yeah now we got to go on that date. yeah what was the UPS guy's name oh Tony Tony what, what was this guy's name?
0: This was Sarah and Matt. Matt. I'm Sarah.
1: <laughs> QB1. For all those um, Friday Night Lights fans out there, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. QB1, Matt Sorensen. I mean, Sarah and Matt
0: are best friends from school. It's not my fault that we also happen to be champions in <laughs> oh, life as
1: well. <laughs> geez. Oh, jeez. So if you're following Whitney's, um, I don't even know what
0: to say, oh. these varying scenarios of so romance it, with her husband. So this is Keeping eight. the fire alive, part two. So. If you like these kind of romances, I just read one called um, To Love Justin Thorne by Ella, or Ella, it's Ella Mays. It's fantastic. I give it a 4.5 on the O-meter. The O-meter. Created it.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read the one, Hook, Line, and Sinker. And? And it was good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, like. I mean, I would probably read another romance novel, but I got honestly, more for you. It's not, it's not like my thing. I
0: don't well, think. that one's not as good as it happened one summer. I think I was buzzed up and recommended the wrong one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it's fine. Imagine uh, that, buzzed up, we're together. Speaking of, what you drinking, Whitney? Oh boy, I'm drinking a Hell or High Mango by Twenty First Amendment. Tastes mm-hmm. like a Bud Light. Does it? Yeah. It does. No mango. It's I, right there in the maybe title. Mango it's not and a... Bud Light or similar. Okay. I don't really well, know. Well, I'm
1: drinking one of my. Uh, favorites of this summer wicked weed great brewery uh coastal love it's a hazy ipa wicked weed was bought by anheuser-bush yeah, they sold out yeah doggone it cheers <laughs> <laughs> all right so we said we're going to be talking about communication uh with your spouse significant other as always in the context of like kids and parenting um we're also going to talk a little bit about divorce and that sort of thing um so get us started
0: winning okay so one of the things when we look at poor communication. I kind of linked it up to divorce. Now that's an extreme example of just poor communication and looked at the U S census, um, for 2009 to 2019, um, 2009, there were 19 divorces, per 1000, mm. um, people. This is people, total population. And 2018, it was eight and 10 or 10, Eight and a thousand. Did I say ten or a thousand or a thousand? Yeah. Okay. Good. I said that right. So now the total is about two point three. That's about fifty percent. It kind of varies um, because there's about five point one marriage per one thousand population. So it, it, it's roughly about you know half when they when we look at. Um, who initiates the divorce rate. It's oftentimes women. And the reason is, is because they say they have controlling husbands. They have a loss of independence. Side note, our next episode is actually going to be about loss of self when you have parent kids. So just FYI. And communication. They just had a lack of communication. And basically what they find is that happily married couples tend to be explicit agreements on everyday living. So Mm -hmm. people that are doing well in their marriage and report being happy in it will have conversations about everything and have an explicit like role where they feel comfortable with everything going on. 57.7% of people who got divorced was because there was too much conflict and arguing. And now that was a small study. It looked at 52 people, 31% women or 31 women, 21 men. But I think as we all are talking about this, we could all agree that lack of communication will lead to, or just different types of communication can lead to arguing, conflicts a miserable day just feeling like you're unsatisfied and so we wanted to look at this you know this communication piece of everything because it's so integral in our relationships mm-hmm. and they affect on the children
1: yeah so um you know in my field marriage and family um Kind of the, so Whitney ran through like some stats of divorce and uh, we didn't talk about this prior to recording today, but I would also be interested to look at like the overall marriage rate because I think that people are getting married less and or they're getting married kind of older later in life.
0: They are. So the average age now was 28 where it used to be 24 in 1970 mm-hmm. and actually it's even gone as high as 30 in 2019. Yep. The rate of divorce is 5.1 from 2019 per 1,000. Yeah. So then when you like a divorce it was about 2.5 so that's yeah. you know kind of where that comes in
1: so we've talked a lot in previous episodes just like about you know the importance of communication um we just are like our our postpartum sex episode we talked a lot about that and um just the, honestly like even like parenting differences and things like that communication is always going to be really important Whitney said something um you know that typically women are the ones that kind of initiate. And, you know, some things that I have seen both um, in my own experience and, you know, kind of that learning throughout my course of education and then career is, you know, a lot of times um, men can kind of just be very go with the flow and kind of assimilate to kind of whatever is the nature of the relationship Whereas women tend to kind of have what can be over a long period of time, like a a festering of resentment. If, you know, the workload is imbalanced and you're not communicating that and you're not letting your partner know areas of dissatisfaction or satisfaction or what your needs are. And so, um, you know, when a woman finally does say, listen, this is it. Like, I want a divorce. That decision for her took a very long time, most often. um, And she came to that conclusion but to the husband it might feel like where is this coming from
0: and sometimes because it's, it's
1: just a slow separation and disconnect over a period of time which is often a long time
0: yeah and i mean i think sometimes austin there's also sometimes a lot of arguing that's happening and there's that's a lot right. of threats of i'm going to get divorced well if you say that threat constantly mm-hmm. over years upon years it loses its steam so then when you become serious they never took it seriously. Maybe they took it seriously the first time. Maybe the second time. Maybe the third. But when you're four years deep and you've said it 71 times, it lost its steam, and therefore there was actually no conflict resolution during those times. Mm-hmm. It literally was just this frustration of like, "Hey, I'm I'm nearing the end. I'm here near the end, but nobody's no, nothing's changing. Yep. Nothing has changed."
1: And a lot of things. There's a lot to unpack here that's coming to my head. But you know, there a lot of times we've talked, I've talked before about family of origin, right? So that's the family that you grew up in. Whether, whether you realize it or not, you picked up your conflict resolution or lack thereof style from your family of origin. And as you are living your life now with your kids in the home, you're doing that for them. Well, no two conflict of origin patterns or conflict Resolution family of origin patterns are the same, so those first few years of marriage are about you and your spouse navigating through that, and it just takes time and experiences to do that. And it's important to communicate um, about not just the argument, the topic at hand, because there's always going to be things to argue about, but the style of which you're doing it and how you're finding resolve. So, like for me and Michael. Our first few years of marriage were the hardest, to be completely honest. Even mm-hmm. even after, you know, the transition from zero kids to one kids, that rocked us a little bit. But the first few years, and that was because Michael's communication conflict resolution pattern was like, he, he doesn't get mad very much. But every now and then, something will make him really pissed off. And he'll blow up about it, and it'll be like Fiery Fife. That's what they call him, Fiery Fife. And I am the mouth of the South, so you can imagine how these two things happen, right? So what would happen is Michael would get pissed, and he would... Word vomit at the mouth. And in the context of our relationship, there's no name calling. There's certainly no violence. There's no, you know, um, throwing things or things like that. But stuff does get heated mm-hmm. between our opinions of how we feel things need to be and advocating for ourselves. Michael and I both advocate for ourselves. So assertiveness is not a problem. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he would pop off. He would get mad. He would say things that I didn't like. And then Michael felt better. And he would cool off. And he then would be fine. And so in his realm, we could go back to normal because he felt better. Yeah. That didn't work for me. Wouldn't work for me. Because now I'm festering. Because you said things I didn't like and there are issues yeah. below the surface and I need to unpack those and process those. Yep. Well, it would take us days. It was it sucked. It would take us days to circle back for him to be ready and me to be ready to sit down no, that's annoying. and to pro- yeah, it was annoying. Okay, we've been married in November we'll make 11 years and I'm happy to report that we have successfully shortened the time to how long? To ha- uh well, you know, we've all- so simultaneously we've gotten better at just letting some stuff go. Yeah. We've gotten much better at how we speak to each other when we're upset. And every now and then when we do have a a bigger argument, we typically can circle back in an hour or so. But that has taken work and it has taken Michael being willing to hear how I feel and to be malleable to that. And the same for me. And so... I would be remiss to talk about divorce and relationships without mentioning John Gottman, who he is a researcher who is um, very, very um, well versed in divorce. He has done a lot of relationship studies. He does something or he did something out uh, in Seattle called the Love Labs where he would have couples, often married couples come together in live in an apartment for an extended period of time. And they would, there would be cameras here in the apartment. Of course, they consented to all this to basically monitor and study their interaction styles. And John Gottman became able to um, examine and view a married couple and predict divorce in the 90s. I don't remember if it's 92% or something like that. He could predict if a couple was going to divorce and essentially he found four things that were patterns in a relationship that um, were indicators. Now, let me say this, the presence of these four things will happen in almost every single relationship, but it's all about how you navigate through. And he refers to those things as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because if gone unchecked and unmonitored and to a level of severity, they do result most often in the end of a marriage. And those are um, contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling with the most serious being contempt. Contempt is basically this kind of resentment and bitterness about um, your partner. So, And it's an association of um, versus you did something that... uh, That I didn't like, therefore, you as a person are
0: bad because of it. I mean, that's another thing of like, you know, touch or tough on the person, soft on the issue, right? So it's like, you never clean the dishes. Mm -hmm. You never Never. play with the kids. Never and always. Never and always. And what you should be saying is, hey, I noticed the dishes weren't done. Can you do those today? I mean, instead of like a a you word of like an always and a definite, like, you will always do this or like invalidating feelings. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about those examples because I have an ex boyfriend before I met and married my husband. I was a man with a man Becker for um, that's not his real name, but for five years. And it's kind of the opposite of the relationship I have now. And all those things that were said I did um, Becker and I had a good relationship. We got along really well um but every three months would be some massive explosive fight Mm -hmm. right and so we i would be really angry about something i never was able to say what exactly i was angry about or maybe i did say what i was angry about but i was never wrong i never listened and i was never wrong Because I had grown up in a family where this is what you do. When you are right, even if you're not right, but you like dig into a point, you stay to that point no matter what. So I was never wrong. (laughs) The other thing is I would say something to him like, hey, you know, like I'm really angry right now because you didn't come help me with my flat tire. And he would say, well, you just need to chill.
1: <laughs> he literally In not validating your emotions.
0: Not only that, but infuriating me because I remember when I uh, that that scenario must have played out like ten times. And I remember talking to Brian, my now husband, when we just started dating. Because when I I kind of learned from this past relationship, and I was like, I "Don't ever like I hate it when people tell me to chill," you mm-hmm. know. And he was like, "Well, that's easy. I'll never say." It. And to this day, he's never ever said like he's never said it. I'm um, trying to fix a problem. I, there are times women in particular like to talk. We like to work through our process. We're processing through it. Sometimes we're coming up with solutions. Sometimes we're not. Even when you're talking to a friend and they're fixing a problem for you, they're like kind of always phrasing like, take this with a grain of salt. Like, oh, okay. If that's not for you, we're going to bench that one and go to the next. Men don't want to sit there. They don't really want to process with you for very often. Not all men, but like in general, they want to fix the problem. And that's when they right. give you the solution, they get really, really upset with you when you don't take their solution and probably the reason you don't take the solution is because that's not what you wanted anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not in that moment. So we did a lot of that and so, you know, my my relationship with Becker was kind of the example of all of those things we just talked about. Stonewalling. I'm a big one. My family is fiery. I was fiery with Becker straight up and after a few years I realized I didn't like that anymore. I didn't feel like we were getting anywhere so then I became a very big one on walking away.
1: Mm-hmm. The problem and stonewalling- was I never
0: circled back.
1: Yes, and stonewalling is basically the cold shoulder yep, and and, and it did. communicates it's it's intended to be punishing mm-hmm. and it also communicates that you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ignore you because what you have to say is is not important and I'm not gonna hear it
0: yeah and I mean I would say that I absolutely did all of those things
1: so you bring up something that I think is so you you said about every every three months you would have these issues yeah so you know the, the something that um is important to know, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. So you're you're never going to be able to go completely argument-free or conflict-free because we're humans and this is a relationship. Um, and there's, there tends to be certain issues as a couple that you tend to come back to over time. And if you've been in a relationship for a longer period of time, you'll know that to be true. Mm-hmm. That's totally okay. None of that stuff predicts divorce at all. But what you have to watch out for is becoming gridlocked. So that means that when these issues kind of circle back around, right, that you still talk about them and you can still process through them. And Whitney makes a great point. Men are absolutely kind of wired up to be fixers, and women kind of want to process through it. And I think that very conversation is an important conversation to have too because one of the things that John Gottman found as well is what, and this kind of goes hand in hand with not being gridlocked, the even in scenarios in marriages where the four one or more of the four horsemen were apparent and found the difference was is the partner's ability to kind of heed to the spouse to kind of say okay I hear what you're saying you said it makes you feel this way you don't like it when I do this I am I understand that and I hear that and I recognize that and I'm going to try to to change kind of how I go about that and that right there is an an a protective factor along with kind of just a general fondness and admiration of the partner and that's where the contempt gets you that's like the sneering the smirking that's the opposite of fondness and admiration, right? That's, that's, those things are polar opposites from one another.
0: Well, and I was reading a book one time and I was trying to think of it while I was thinking about this, but I was reading this book one time and it was talking about resentment and people who are not able to move on. And what it looked into is it looked into the fact that people who were stuck, like she's saying, stonewalled, would tell the same story over and over and over again and it could be 10 to 15 years down the road and the way that they told it was completely the same and people that were able to move on were able to they told the story differently over time so in the beginning someone may have really upset you and so you're like this guy at (laughs) chick-fil-a cut me off turned around and was like you suck and then you stick to that. And that becomes this pointed story over time on how rude everyone is in Chick-fil-A now. But they found that people that were able to adapt and kind of change and learn to live would start the story like that. And then over time, they're like, I think he was probably having a bad day because I noticed that he was whatever. And then it moves on. It's like, I accidentally like maybe had cut him off and then he (laughs) cut me off. And then over time, it's like, you know, this is an isolated event. He may have had a really bad day. Mm Chipotle is pretty great. And so you can see that happening in marriage too, right? So one, an event happens, let's say that they screw up, right? They always say like, like allow grace when someone screws up, mm-hmm. right? So let's say that they screw up and their screw up is genuinely bad. It wasn't great. Whatever it was, Um, I, I can't come to mind with anything. But if something like they messed up and they genuinely messed up and they're supposed to pay the power bill, they didn't pay the power bill, the power got cut off, you go in, you pay it, it puts a financial strain because you thought the money had gone there. They genuinely str- like screwed up. If you allow them to, you know, you make a joke of it later or sometime or you're just upset and you're like, please don't do that again. The power is important to us, X, (laughs) Y, and Z. And you move on is different from you telling that to then his family and making him the butt of a joke. And then you move on and every month Mm -hmm. you're like, did you remember to pay the power bill? Did you, well, that one time you forgot, did you remember? And so it's also like allowing for forgiveness and changing a story. Some things are screws up that do have costs to them that are you know pretty big Mm -hmm. the power is not a great example but just an example but like allowing that person to bow out gracefully or apologize gracefully Mm -hmm. and not rubbing their face in the mud and changing that story a bit is also such an invaluable point to communicating Mm -hmm. because if every time you then argue about whether he forgets something and you bring that back up again it's kind of like you're just continuing to like run this you're cycle you're never allowing
1: them to kind of move on and you're on never
0: communicating. It. And
1: you also are you are taking that issue which was just a forgetfulness issue or whatever it is and you're now making it a part of who that person is. And that's when things can really go awry. Yeah.
0: And so I think we should move into like the effect that this like communication and ineffective communication can have on children's at time. So the problem can in effect the communication isn't that parents disagree. That's really not the problem mm-hmm. at all. It's about what those disagreements will be expressed to the children. So in that example where you're kind of making a mockery of them, where they say something, you're like, oh, look at dad, he's just being so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're kind of teaching the children that one parent is smarter than the other. So there's also unspoken hostility Kids can pick up on things, right? We've taught them to look at our facial expressions and know when they're in trouble. I can just give my kid, quote unquote, the look, and they know they're in trouble. So imagine if my husband and I have hostility between us. Mm -hmm. They're going to pick up on that. They're going to pick up on resentments. And they're going to also pick up on the fact that someone has a need for control. So... I may be I'm working on this this one may be a little bit for me but I spend a lot of time with the children I'm not a stay-at-home mom as you guys know but I spend a lot of time as a stay-at-home mom um I work two to three days a week when my husband will come down and he's been working all day and the kids do something to annoy him right out of the gate and he reacts to that annoyance my my reaction is to turn to him and be like what are you doing You've been working all day and he's like wait a second when you get frustrated it's okay and he does he supports me he's like yeah they're annoying sometimes mm-hmm. but when he gets frustrated i feel like he doesn't have the right to be frustrated mm-hmm. or why did you respond that way or why are you doing that to the kids and so i'm controlling the way that we're parenting because of the fact i think i know what is best in this scenario because i spend all day with them
1: well and I, so that you bring up a good point because often this is what gets us into trouble not only only in in the context of a marriage but also sometimes with friends and even acquaintances but we tend to judge other people by their actions but us ourselves we judge ourselves by our intentions yeah cuz you know your intention right yep. your intention is pure and good right yep. but when someone else does it and so that's why i think it's so important to assume assume that somebody operate under the principle that somebody's doing the the best they can and that goes that goes back to Brene Brown who's a social work researcher and she talks a lot about guilt and shame vulnerability and uh, assuming that someone is doing their best the best that they can Um, not that we have to accept that as being um, the best right but you know when you have that perception of someone else and so I think we've talked about before you know people think oh well shouldn't fight in front of your kids you shouldn't let your kids do that actually that's not accurate you should 100% 100% model comp- because whether you do it or not, they're going to pick up on it. Yep. So it's completely okay to um, argue in front of your kids now you the caveat is, you know, ideally no no cursing, no name calling, no throwing you, No throwing things, no aggression, no violence. And you know, try to keep your voice down, but I'm saying that because my voice is almost always escalated when I get upset. But I'm a, excited. I'm a passionate person. You're a loud person. We are with <laughs> this a loud home. And and everyone in my family under, like my kids don't get jumpy about loud sounds because we're loud. Yeah. I mean we we we're playful and we're loud. We get upset and we're loud, Um, but there's no disrespect in our loudness, if that makes sense. We don't call names. We don't do anything like that. However, my point that I'm getting to is you are modeling to your children appropriate conflict resolution, and so what kids need to see is is the reparation. How did you repair it? How did you ultimately resolve it? Now, sometimes when you're worked up, John Gottman also has this other layer of research where he puts actual monitors on people and he checks their heart rate. Once your heart rate gets to a certain point, you actually can't deal with things rationally and reasonably. You need to just, it's now time to take a break. So let's say you're in a car, you're driving with your kids, you get in a fight with your significant other, and things go derailed and now you're silent and you're not talking. What happens a lot of times is parents will go home and they're kind of make up behind closed doors, right? But let's say you didn't do that. Let's say you kind of made up in front of your kids. What is also a really great thing to do? is to process it with your kids, you know? Like, And I have said this to Elise before. Elise, mommy and daddy love each other very much, but sometimes mommy and daddy don't agree on things, and we have to talk about those things, and we have to figure it out. None of that impacts how our lives will stand. Like, we're still together, we still love you, we still love each other. And another thing don't be afraid to do is if you're ever kind of in conflict with your kid and you misstep something, you should apologize to your child as well.
0: That's kind of another thing that we move forward on is it is good to apologize to your child when you've screwed up. I do that all the time. Yeah. But, you know, I was recently on the phone with one of my really good friends. And explain what you did. Yeah. And I was on the phone recently with one of my good friends and she was really upset with her husband as we all get. And so she was crying and her son came in and Mm -hmm. said, Mommy, are you sad? And she goes, yes, sweetheart, I am sad, but I'm going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. I'm working through it. That's right. And it was one of the best things ever. And he was like, okay. And he walked off. And, you know, if it's Meyer, he's going to hug me until because Meyer is a very, like when I'm sad, he's very, very sad with me. So he'll hold me and do all that. And so I thought it was a really good ex- example of communicating with your child because she named it. That's it. She explained that, yes, I'm sad. But she also then turned around and said to him, but it's going to be okay. That's right. I'm going to be sad, but it's going to be fine.
1: Naming the feeling is perfect, especially with girls, yes, but especially with boys, because in our culture, it's like, what's the one socially acceptable emotion for a man to have? Anger. Mm -hmm. Because that's masculine. So it's completely, it's so healthy to try to name the feeling when you're feeling it so that your child can see and hear what that feeling is like. But when they're feeling it, to hold space for their emotion, right? It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad too. That doesn't mean you're going to get your way. You know, if I've got a two-year-old that's being, that's having a tantrum, who's very mad because he wanted ice cream and I'm not giving him ice cream, I can hold space for that feeling of anger and disappointment, right? But I can also hold my boundary. Yes. Um, And then we've talked about too, about getting to a certain place where, that emotion's gotten out of control. We're we're going to scale that back. We're going we're we're gonna to gonna gonna help s- you learn to cope through it mm-hmm. the appropriate way. So I wanted to go back one more to one more thing as well. Whitney was talking about earlier, like when there are threats of divorce in a relationship, okay. and I also wanted to disclaim before we go there, like there are certain context that even a therapist will say these things have to be um, addressed before we can start any type of couples counseling and and those things are infidelity that is active Mm -hmm. so you're still in that cheating relationship and that's not the context of your relationship you've got to stop that before therapy can start um violence or abuse of any type um we are not talking about that we're talking about hard
0: stops those are about hard stops that's it's right like this is this is this is this is so yeah
1: Whitney and I uh, or Whitney was saying she was talking about um a lot of the threats right and I think you need to be very careful with that um because that's also about trust we've talked about that with kids too if I say something I mean it So Michael and I decided early on that um, divorce just wasn't going to be an option for us. It just wasn't on the table. And we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. Um, Whitney and Brian and me and Michael have talked about this. Um, And I think, you know, if that, that's also, you know, tied to my faith. Um, But what I would say is I would challenge you to maybe consider what that might mean for your relationship, because when you decide as a couple to just simply take it off the table, it's not going to be an option for us, then you have to work through things, right? Yeah. And again, this is the context of a loving reciprocal marriage with no abuse or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it for me, it feels very freeing to think no matter what we face, we got to figure it out
0: because yeah. that's the only option. You know, I think Brian and I have that. We've never talked about that. Brian, and I think we will do a, a episode at some point on divorce and love afterwards. Brian actually was married before me um, and had gotten divorced when we met. And I kind of also was like, I'll never get divorced or marry someone who's been divorced because of what that means. <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of interesting to see all this work out because we are in a loving, I think, his ex-wife was an idiot, personally. (laughs) But I think what she's ultimately saying is that when you make a commitment, and and there was a study that looked at that, and about 63% of people said that another reason why they got divorced was the lack of the commitment. So there's a lack of commitment. And so when you are going into divorce, I always say, before I got married, I was like, I'll know I'll get married at some point in my life, but you know, if I live to life expectancy and I get married at 30, I got to live 51 years with the same person. So (laughs) I was willing to like wait until I found my soulmate. So, you know, I think that that's kind of what it's talking about is just that commitment when you're Mm -hmm. making the commitment. I want to just talk real fast on what to do when you do have communication issues or how to keep an open communication line open right so i would say first of all dr phil one time (laughs) i want you to get excited about your life so i was with becker at this point in my life and i was uh sitting there watching dr phil i'm sure i was stoned and i'm like sitting there and he's got this relationship thing going on and it's like would you date yourself and i was like holy shit (laughs) nope no, <laughs> I would not date myself. Oh, my God. Wow, Dr. Phil. And I still remember that. So profound. Day. It was. It changed my entire well, view on relationships. It's kind of
1: like, would you talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself? Right. It's or, the same thing. Be right? kind to yourself because, first. Or
0: would you talk to your, like, the way you talk to your husband should be the most loving thing. But I I really totally changed my world. Now, Becker and I were too far gone, I really believe, to save anything. And we didn't have really a lot deeper than we got along well. We were good friends. Not that turned into lovers. We were... Anyway, moving on. And so it was just one of those profound things. And when I tried to then be back on that idea of like teach him and treat him how I wish to be treated, Mm -hmm. I had realized how little I was doing it. And so that's one of the things I would say is like, would you date yourself? Be someone that is dateable. Be someone that you would want him to be to you. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want people saying... Or getting frustrated or stonewalling or doing all those things to you and like dragging you through the mud don't do it to them so in that same vein so that's your piece of advice for today
1: my piece of advice is focus on your responsibilities and not your rights in the context of your marriage and so that i heard that years ago and that to me has stuck with me because i think as human beings we have a tendency to be selfish and seek self-preservation and especially, God help, in the culture we are in today, everybody is all about their rights, the rights, their rights, the mm-hmm. rights. And that has its place, and that's fine. I'm not getting political with any of this. But if you are in a loving relationship with someone that you care about and they care about you, what difference could you directly make by just a mind sh- mindset shift of saying, what what are my responsibilities? What do I need to be consistently bringing to the table Versus expecting my spouse to bring them to me because I'm owed them.
0: Well, and understanding that what you think is right may not be the right answer. There's a lot of gray area Mm -hmm. in things. And so the way I see things and the way I'm communicating that may not be Kind of what you were saying. Perspectives are different. Right? We're different. And so what we really need to do is not make someone else see the way I see and believe the way I believe and do the things that I want them to do. But the ultimate goal is to communicate to a way that we can see the way each other sees. We can decide what's best, understanding that there's compromise in there, and we can do what we need to do to continue to have a loving relationship Mm -hmm. you know my my marriage is the easiest thing in my life by far the easiest thing in my life but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we have not actively worked towards that. Absolutely, we constantly are communicating. You know, it takes rec- work. If it's worth it, it takes work. Recently, Brian and I got in a disagreement, and I I was hurt, and so I'm like, I was trying to do something nice for him, and he basically was like, I'm tired. Like I, you know, it's fine, whatever. And I was like, No, 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 and I kept pushing. I was like, No, I, no, no, Winnie, like I want to go to bed. And I was like. Oh. I was like, God, you always do this. Not true. He doesn't always do this. And he's like, what's up? Like, what are you doing? And he gives me this look where he's hurt. And I was like, I'm just trying to do this and blah, 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 blah. And at the heart of it, finally, after like five minutes of him being like, this is weird. What are you doing? I was like, you are always so nice to me. And you're always so giving to me. And I feel like it's one-sided and that I'm never nice and giving to you. At which point he was like, baby, you're amazing. Like, you do all these things. I had to listen to him and take that. But we had... What was actually the problem was not communicated effectively in the beginning. In the mm-hmm. beginning, I was communicating, why are you doing this? Why why would you not accept this nice thing I'm doing for you? What are you doing? But what it was I was actually saying is that like, hey, I feel insecure because you're, I mean, my husband is the most giving man mm-hmm. in America and I feel like I'm always taking and you're never giving, mm-hmm. like you're never taking. And that's
1: what, and I think I've talked about it before, that's the meta communication. That's yep. the communication beneath the communication, which is the heart of it. It's the
0: heart of it. I hope you guys took something away here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to give us feedback, provide topic suggestions, or tell us your own funny stories, reach out to us at slightlycrunchymomcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. We post weekly reminders of new episodes and funny stuff just to give you a little laugh, at slightlycrunchymomcast. Or even better, buy us a beer. You know we like to drink. You can donate via buymeacoffee.com slash slightlycrunchy. Until next week, bye.